Let's just keep standing um, and I read the passage that uh, Mike will be preaching. Uh, it's from Book of Mark and chapter 10, verses 32 to 45. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was happening, what was happened to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism that which with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and which baptism which with I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and, they great, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Please sit down. Here we go. <clears throat> there goes the charge. Thank you. Great. <clears throat> so what, um, what Annina read was on, it's on page 846 on, your, on the, these black church Bibles. So if you want to turn to that page, 846. And uh, just as you're doing that, I just want to tell you, uh, <clears throat> well, I guess it's a story, maybe more of an illustration, really, that, um, that Ron tells quite often. Um, a lot of you will know, will know Ron. Um, it's a story about, <clears throat> about life, uh, kind of about how, how we see life. Ron tells it quite often in, in Cordeo. Peter tells it um, often in, in various places. Uh, David uh, tells it often in various places, and now it's my turn to do it. So I kind of feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of stepping up here and telling you um, one of Ron's illustrations. Um, so I want you to imagine that we're on a cruise. We're, we're on a cruise ship, and in a room like this, maybe you think that's difficult, but I would disagree. I think this would be a great cruise ship room. You have all the kind of pillars, Titanic had, had pillars, um, window, like viewing windows, big windows, viewing windows. You've got chandeliers um, and kind of nice food and coffee. So just imagine we're on a cruise ship. You can imagine it for whatever reason. It's your imagination. You can choose. We're, we're on this cruise ship and we're just enjoying being on this adventure, kind of holiday on, 
on a cruise ship, which is pretty cool. And we're just enjoying ourselves, and as we're leaving port, everything's going really well. But within kind of one minute or an hour into the into this incredible cruise, you, you feel the ship kind of start to kind of tilt a little bit. You think, well, that's okay, because it's just a wave, it'll come back. But it, but it keeps going. It kind of keeps, keeps tilting, keeps going, keeps going. And eventually, the cruise ship ends up upside down. But because this is just a story, we don't panic. We just kind of get on with life in the cruise ship that's upside down. And at first, it's really weird, because you've got kind of the tables and the chairs that are suddenly up on the ceiling, and you've got the lights kind of sticking up in the floor and you sort of have to you kind of keep tripping over them and the light switches are really high and you're kind of tripping over the doors because you kind of have to climb in the door and at first it's just really weird really awkward just to try and get used to life on this weird kind of upside down cruise ship but over time you get used to it it just feels a bit more normal and as the months go by and as the years go by uh, you know kids are born they grow up and they don't know any different they, they live on this cruise ship that's upside down, but it's just normal. Of course, it's, of course uh, tables are on the ceiling. That's, that, that's where they've always been. And the lights, they just come up from the floor. That's, that's where they've always been. It just becomes normal. <clears throat> the whole point of that weird upside down cruise ship, the whole point really is, is just to say this, that, that what, seems, what can seem normal in life, what can seem normal in in our reality, can actually be completely the wrong way up. What we think is normal can actually need to be kind of flipped upside down and we need to be rescued from. Before <clears throat> moving to Chippenham, I, I used to work in uh, universities, well, in, in, in Wales with students in Christian unions in universities and, and colleges. And one of the things that we used to do quite often was to go into the campus or go into the town and just kind of ask questions from a questionnaire to students. Um, and we'd ask lots of different questions about kind of life and the world, kind of just what they think about things. Well, one of the questions which we used to ask quite often was, what's, what do you think the meaning of life is? Like, what's, what's life all about for you? What's the meaning of life? <clears throat> and of all the answers to the questions that we had, uh, to that question... I can probably summarise it in one word. So what is the meaning of life? Success. See, life seems to be all about just being successful, doesn't it? However, however you define success, however we in, in Chippenham define success, normal life just seems to be about getting it, about achieving that success. So whether it's, it's getting a house or whether it's getting some free time in a particular day, whether it's just being noticed. Life is about getting to the, to, to the top of that pyramid and staying there. So whatever your pyramid is, you climb. You climb it. You, you lift yourself up and you push others down, or to get to the top in order to stay at the top for as long as you can, or just to, get, just to get success. And that's just normal life, isn't it? That just feels normal. You know, you, you, you get up out of bed, you put your spikes on, and you just you go and you start climbing. That's normal life. Just get to the top, get to the pyramid, get to the top, get, stay there for as long as you can. 
Even Jesus' disciples got that. So James and John, in uh, the reading that Anina read for us, the two of Two of Jesus' closest friends, uh, two of his most closest trusted followers, they get that climbing to the top of the pyramid is, is normal life. Remember what they said? So have a look at, on page 846, uh, verse 37, kind of down at the bottom of the page. James and John said to Jesus, Grant us to sit, one on your left, one on your right, in your glory. See, they were, they were fishermen and they'd been with Jesus really his whole career. They knew that Jesus was significant and so they kind of corner him uh, in, in this one particular day and they say, Look, Jesus, you know, you know the other day when we said that you are the Messiah, so you're God's king, well, do you know, when, when you get your kingdom, like when you're in your kingdom, we, we want to sit next to you. Like, we want to be with you at the top. We want to be your closest advisors. You know, when you get your kingdom, we want to be at the top with you. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of get the sense that they'd been dreaming about this for a little while. And daydreams are really... I, I find daydreams fascinating because I think, I think the things that we daydream about really reveal something of of the things that we desire in life. They kind of unlock our heart's desires. So you know, when we're daydreaming about, you know, we're kind of playing through scenarios in our head, or perhaps we're kind of replaying scenarios that didn't go well, but we're, we're replaying them to be kind of better, more, more favourable um, to us. So for me, if I'm, if I'm daydreaming, and uh, I daydream a lot, um, I guess I'm, I'm probably going to be daydreaming either about playing sports, getting married, or someone laughing at my jokes. That, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it. That, that really says a lot about me, doesn't it? Um, but, but whatever you daydream about, kind of <clears throat> maybe you're daydreaming right now, um, but whatever you're daydreaming about, it kind of unlocks, I think, reveals what your heart's desire is. So, so maybe your daydreams show that you're desiring kind of greatness or, or fame or, or power, recognition, maybe? Or what had James and John been daydreaming about? I think they'd been, they'd been dreaming about, about thrones, kind of big, big plush thrones with big arms and comfortable um, upholstery and just these big thrones at the top of a pyramid. See, fishermen, even back then, struggled to get recognition, struggled to, to kind of be significant or, or to get honour in, in their society. And they were thinking, well, look, you can't get any higher than Jesus. If he is God's king, then let's get thrones next to him. Yeah, we'll be above everybody else, but we'll be with Jesus and we'll be at the top of the pyramid on massive thrones and we'll have everything we always wanted. The interesting thing is in, in this story, in this event, is that, is that it's not just James and John that get that normal life is climbing to the pyramids. Do you notice what the disciples said in, in, in verse 41? How did the, dis, the disciples react in verse 41? When the other ten heard what James and John and Jesus had been talking about, they began to be indignant at James and John. Just, what are you doing? Can't believe I didn't think of that first. See, how, how do you feel 
when someone gets to live your daydream. When the person that you want to impress laughs at someone else's joke. Or when, when the new guy at work gets the promotion instead of you. When, when your friend gets the car that you wanted. How, how, how do you feel? I know how I feel. I just want to kind of want to explode. Just get me to explode. And that's obvious because that's what pyramid climbers do, isn't it? There's, there's no room for anyone else at the top of the pyramids. The air is thin. There's not much place to stand. If someone else is getting to, to the top of the pyramid instead of you or with you, you don't like that. So what do we do? We, we kind of push them down a peg or two. We, we bitch about them. We, we kind of show them who's boss just to keep them away from where we are wanting to be at the top. And that's just normal life. That's, that's the air we breathe. That's the, that's the cruise that we're on. But, but everything that you think is normal, Jesus spins on its head. Everything that you think that is true, Jesus says, it's not. Jesus says, no. The disciples were stood right next to Jesus. But really, they couldn't have been further away from him or from where he was going. See, the Christian message is not about getting a throne. God's kingdom is not about climbing to the top of a pyramid because Jesus isn't that kind of king. The Christian message is that Jesus came to serve. He came to serve us by giving his life and that following him means doing the same. The first half of Mark's gospel, kind of up to where we've got to, really answers the question, who is Jesus? And we have seen that the answer is that Jesus is, is the Christ. So he's the Messiah. He's, he's God's king, God's anointed king. And the second half of Mark, which is where we're kind of in at the moment, answers the question, well, what is, what is his mission? Like what, if Jesus is God's king, what kind of king is he? What kind of kingdom does, does this king have? And we find out in this second half of Mark's gospel, that Jesus is the king who, who came to die. And what we've heard read and what we're looking at this morning is really the heart of that shocking answer. So Jesus has been, I guess, taking a couple of weeks, a few days maybe, just to, well, describing his death. So chapter 8 and chapter 9, he's describing his death and he says that, that he will suffer And he'll be put to death because of the Jewish leaders who are in Jerusalem. But after three days, we'll rise from the dead. And both times, the disciples don't understand. And they instead focus on on pyramid climbing. So they hear Jesus talking about his death, but kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And they just try and fit Jesus into their cruise ship. Like, yeah, okay, thanks, Jesus. But look, let's bring you into my cruise ship. And come and climb the pyramid with me. 
But both times in chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus just shatters their pride. Shatters their selfishness with, with the humility and the sacrifice of true discipleship. In chapter 10, this end part of chapter 10, is, is just the, the, the crashing crescendo of this whole section about what kind of king Jesus really is, what kind of kingdom Jesus has. So in verse 32 of chapter 10, Jesus is at the front of this large group walking to Jerusalem, but he's, he's out in front. He's, he's leading them. He's kind of striding out of this front of this group saying, we're going to Jerusalem. And he tells his disciples what will happen in Jerusalem. So look at verse 33 again. They're on the way to Jerusalem, and Jesus says this, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They'll condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. No ifs, no buts, no maybe. Jesus says, no, this will happen because I'm the king that has come to die. And it's at this point, just as Jesus has said that so clearly, it's at this point that James and John begin Operation Daydream. There's no grief, there's no concern, there's no real anxiety about what's going to happen. They just have this complete lack of awareness for what Jesus' true mission is. He just doesn't fit their cruise ship. So they just keep insisting, we want to be at the top of your pyramids. Okay, I don't, I don't know why you're talking about dying, but look, in your pyramids, we want to be top. No matter how many times Jesus says it, no, we want to be at the top. Jesus is clear, though, with them, that his kingdom is not about grabbing. It's not about kind of taking power, and it's certainly not about climbing up a pyramid. See, everything that the disciples know about how life works, Jesus flips. He just spins it on its head. Because his kingdom is about giving up significance through suffering and and even death. Jesus said to them in verse 38, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptised with the baptism with which I am baptised. It's kind of a weird thing for Jesus to say. Um, but really, the, the cup and, and this kind of baptism, they're both Bible images of suffering. So the cup, for example, is it's an Old Testament... It's like, it's like an Old Testament code word for, for judgment, for, for suffering. And, and Jesus kind of responds to James and John, and he says, well, look... Let me remind you about the suffering and the death that I'm going to go through. He says, and if you want to be with me, you've got to follow me through that. You've got to follow me through that suffering, through giving up your life. And of course, the two pyramid climbers don't really get what Jesus is talking about. And they just kind of say, well, yeah, bring it on. We can do that. If that's what we have to do to get to the top of the pyramids, we'll do it. Easy peasy, not a problem. You just get a sense of kind of the... I don't know, the, the, the awkwardness of like overconfidence. It's like, yeah, we'll do that. 
whatever it is, we'll do that. We just want to get to the top. We'll do whatever you say. But Jesus says, well, you will. That's exactly what you're going to go through. But actually, who gets to get at the top? Who, who gets to sit with me in my kingdom? That's not, that's not up to me. That's not how you get there. So again, we've seen this for a few weeks, but it's just so clear today that none of Jesus' disciples had been paying any attention to what Jesus had been saying. They just, they just couldn't compute what it means to follow, to really to, to, to follow Jesus. So time and time again, Jesus had been saying, look, following me is not about ambition. No matter how many times he has said that, the disciples... They just still lived on their cruise ship, still lived in, their, in that normal life. and just tried to fit Jesus into, into their pyramid. And maybe you are too. Maybe you've been here the last couple of weeks, or maybe you've heard about Jesus a few times. And, but no matter how many times you hear that, that Jesus kind of rips your worldview apart and just turns your life upside down, no matter how many times you've heard that, you're you're, you're still just trying to squeeze him into your cruise ship. At this part of the message, the recorder stopped recording. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, But we'll uh, re-record here just the final part of the message. So none of the disciples had been paying any attention at all to what Jesus had been saying about what it means to follow him. For weeks... Jesus had been explaining that it's, it's not about ambition at all. But the disciples still lived in their normal life, still trying to squeeze Jesus into their cruise ship, still climbing pyramids. And maybe you have been too. No matter how often you've heard about Jesus and who he is, what he came to do, no matter how many times you've, you've heard that Jesus rips your worldview apart you still try to squeeze him into your cruise ship well at this point in in our story this is jesus flipping that cruise ship this is jesus at his clearest obliterating the pyramid verse 42 jesus called the disciples to him and he said You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, that is, people who who aren't Jews, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. You see the the pyramid-climbing nature of the normal world. But, verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. What feels normal to us is a lie. Life, leadership by by just being the biggest, is not compatible with Jesus' kingdom. In his kingdom there are no ranks, there's no climbing, no, no grabbing. For us, normal life is get to the top, everyone serves me. For the Christian life is, is stay low, I serve everyone. Completely opposite, completely 
anti-normal. But if all this still seems just a bit too crazy, a bit too revolutionary, a bit too weird, have a look at verse 45. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man is, <clears throat> is a title that Jesus used for himself really often. Um, it's an Old Testament title that's a lot more than just a nickname. The Son of Man is, is the one who has supreme authority, that has power, significance, real weight. The, the Son of Man has it all. If there was a pyramid, the Son of Man sounds like the kind of person who would be right at the top, deservedly so. But Jesus says no. Jesus says, I am the Son of Man, but I'm not that kind of king. That's not what my kingdom is like. Jesus came to serve us by giving us his life, and following him means doing the same. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That phrase, I'm coming to get you, is just a really interesting really interesting phrase because depending on the the context or the tone and who's saying it that phrase can mean lots and lots of different things i'm coming to get you so imagine imagine dave who who was leading the meeting earlier imagine um he sees you in the car park he sat in his nice big shiny car and he turns on the engine and he starts revving he opens the window and he looks out at you and he stares at you and he shouts, I'm coming to get you. So he revs and he, he uh, takes off the, uh, the, um, uh, the handbrake and just starts flying at you through the car park as fast as he can drive, screeching tyres, mad eyes and just screaming, I'm coming to get you, I'm coming to get you. That's, that's terrifying for, for anybody. But imagine you're in the river. And you're struggling to keep afloat. You just keep going under the water, coming back up under the water. And you're struggling to breathe, struggling to, to, to survive. And Dave sees you. He's in the car park. And he starts running at you. And he's screaming, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. See, so completely different. Jesus says, I'm coming to get you. But I wonder if, for you, if that is scary or... Or reassuring. The Son of Man, the highest authority in the universe, is coming for you. To serve you. To give his life for you. And if you don't get that, you'll live forever in your upside down cruise ship. You'll have to stay on that pyramid climbing to the top. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you're fine with life like that, always looking over your shoulder, always having to, to climb and to get higher. Maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you're okay with dying inside every time someone else gets to the top before you. But Jesus came for you. 
He came to give his life to rescue you, to, to free you from that slavery of selfishly climbing everywhere. He came to liberate you from having to climb. And we are freed from the wounds of, of punishment and performance because Jesus' wounds speak to ours. I have to be honest, the, the cross of Jesus, <clears throat> it kind of looks rubbish, doesn't it? I and mean, his death looks like a defeat. But in reality, it is the greatest of victories. Jesus' death on a cross is the greatest victory because the penalty is paid. We are forgiven. The pressure to perform is destroyed because in Jesus we are loved and accepted by the king of the universe. So there's no need to climb pyramids anymore. We don't need to climb up for acceptance or to be noticed because the king of the universe loves and accepts us. Jesus came to serve us by giving his life and following him means doing the same. If you haven't accepted Jesus, maybe maybe today's the day. Jesus has come to get you, to serve you, to give his life for you. Jesus has come to free you, no matter who you are. No matter where you are on that pyramid. And maybe you're here and you know that you don't deserve it. You know that there's nothing that you can do to pay him back. Well, being a Christian doesn't mean that you just have to live and, and try and pay God back for what he's done. Being a Christian is, is letting go of the pyramid. Being a Christian is, is giving up your life and falling back into his arms because because he's safe because he frees us and if you are a follower of Jesus you get to give your life now I'm not challenging you to be killed for Jesus this week that'd be a little bit weird and there wouldn't be anybody left in church next week I'm not saying be killed for Jesus that does happen in many countries in the world giving your life to Jesus means that that very week you will be killed that's unlikely to happen in Chippenham. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to give your life. And giving your life means laying it down. It means laying it down in service for others. Living a life that is you first. Giving your life means you give up your wants and live for other people's needs. You give up your wants and you live other people's needs. Maybe over these last weeks, as we've gone through this part of Mark's Gospel, there has been something that has come to mind repeatedly, and has kept coming to mind. Maybe an area of life that you haven't fully given up. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that, that just serves you and, and, and you don't really give anything back in return. It really could be anything, but but I want to encourage you to, to talk to God about it. And as you hear about the Christian life is, is giving your life for others. Giving up your wants and living for other people's needs. If there is that one nagging thing, I wonder if that's the Lord putting his finger on your life. I want to encourage you to talk to God about it. 
don't dismiss serving because it might hit you where it hurts. But go to Jesus. Talk it through with, with the Son of Man and ask him, Lord, is this what it looks like for me this week to give my life? It is completely safe for you to let go of the pyramid because Jesus has died to set us free. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that now suddenly because of Jesus we can serve our way to the top of a pyramid. You know, we're saying that instead of climbing the pyramid of money or success, we, we now climb the pyramid with Jesus of, of service and of giving our life. That, that's not it at all. Can you see how that is just bringing Jesus onto our cruise ship, bringing him into our pyramid and we climb with him, but now I'm going to serve you more than you serve me. And that gets me to the top of the pyramid. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus rips that up. He, he destroys that pyramid and he, he flips, everything up, uh, flips everything over. See, it's not serving others to get to the top. But in Jesus, because of him, we are free to stay at the bottom. To stay at the bottom, loving Jesus and loving others. I wonder if Jesus has flipped your pyramid over. I wonder if he has turned your cruise ship the right way up. So that we can live lives loving him and giving our lives for others. Because Jesus came to serve us by giving his life and following him means doing the same.